Welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures Podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my wonderful, intelligent, gorgeous, very hardworking, very presidential <laughs> wife and co-host, Michelle. I was wondering how you're going to fit that in. Thank you, know. sweetie. I don't know. I never know what I'm going to do. It just comes out. Uh, well, thank you again. And hi, everybody. So good to have you with us. We are recording this episode on Sunday, February 18th, 2024. Yes, it is President's Day weekend. That's what this is all about. So just to kind of give you an idea of what's going on and why the topic (laughs) is what the topic is today. I know, right? Uh, There had to be some reasoning. (laughs) For sure. For sure. And Michelle always has the best topics. (laughs) So that's why we're doing this today. I don't know about that, but it's a topic. (laughs) Yes, it is a topic. Thank you for joining us for today's topic. In the future, you can find most topics everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. Also, we are on social media. We're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventures Facebook group. Also, we're on YouTube. We may have a new YouTube video coming here Mm -hmm. very, very soon. You might want to check that out. Subscribe. We're at Hyperion Adventures Podcast there. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. And if you feel like you don't have enough of us already and you aren't a subscriber to our uh, newsletter, we invite you to do that as well. Yes, please sign up for the newsletter. We're doing some great things there. Michelle adds in a lot of different <laughs> like contests that are going yeah. on. So you don't want to miss some of these great contests where you might be able to win. I don't know. It could be something as little as a Disney pin as much as a Disney vacation. There's all sorts of contests. Michelle hunts them down and tries to send them out to you every week, but just other ways to just kind of be involved with our Hyperion Adventures podcast world. Yeah. And get some, some of the other news items that may not make the cut on our podcast, including maybe this week, if we get the chance to get the newsletter out, maybe Michelle will include our new design that is now yeah. out on our Spreadshirt shop. Yeah, it's amazing! You did an awesome job. Yeah, you did a marvelous something job. Something that we is inspired by our cruise coming up here two weeks from today. As yes. a matter of fact. Ooh. Our Marvel Day at Sea cruise. So you may want to go check that out. And if you're on the newsletter, though, I'm sure there'll be a link there yeah. included in it. So you definitely want to check that out. Now, before we get into this week's show, you know we like to take a look back the, at the week that was because this is the Disney podcast of positivity. And so we like to look at those high moments, those wonderful moments, those positive moments from the week that was. We call it my favorite thing from this week. And when we do this, we always start with Michelle because she's amazing. She's fantastic. (laughs) She's wonderful. You know she has the best topics. You'll hear that in a little bit, which include the best research, which she definitely does regularly. She has the best lists. She has the best tips. And she always has the best my favorite thing from this week. So, Michelle, what is your favorite thing from this week? Well, you know, typically I have like several things that are rambling through my mind of what would be the best thing. But this week was easy peasy. Hands down, the best thing was my Valentine's dinner that you created. Um, It was way above and beyond anything that I could have asked for or expected. It was delicious. Um, You had asked me what I wanted. I gave you two different options and you made both of them and they were fabulous. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Yes. Uh, I had a lot of fun kind of creating that. So here's what Michelle asked for. She's like, you know, whatever will be easiest for you. I would either like classic Ratatouille, not Mm -hmm. like the movie Ratatouille, the classic Ratatouille, or chicken and waffles. So, as you would, <laughs> I decided to combine the two. So, we did a classic ratatouille mm-hmm. with a parmesan crusted chicken breast and 
savory chive waffles to go along Mickey with Mickey waffles. It. Yes, they were Mickey waffles, yes, <laughs> to go along with it. And uh, yeah, it, I was pretty happy with how it turned out. It wasn't perfect, but it was pretty tasty. And uh. I'm glad, more and more importantly, I'm just glad you liked it because I thought it'd be kind of fun to combine those two things together. Yeah, it was incredible and the amount of work you did. But yeah, the, the ratatouille had such a wonderful, warm, rustic feeling, which was great because we were starting to have tremendous cloudy rainy days and cooler weather here so that was nice and the seasoning that you put with the parmesan crusted chicken was just unbelievable and then topping it off with those adorable mickey waffles so savory loved it savory yeah we didn't even need syrup so it wasn't too too many calories it all went it went together pretty well. I was pretty happy with it. Yeah. Like I said, it wasn't perfect, but I thought it was it pretty was good. Pretty and perfect. more importantly, uh, Michelle liked it and that's what it was all about for yeah, her so because she is you. my Valentine and she cooked a nice Valentine's meal for me as well on Valentine's Day. I She cooked for me on Valentine's Day. I had to work that day. Um, yesterday is when I had more time. So yes. I put together this meal for her as a kind of a belated Valentine's gift. Yeah. So, well, thank you, baby. And thanks again for all that hard work. Yeah. The nice things you did for me for Valentine's Day were my favorite thing from this week. And, uh, for sure. So I'll go along with that. Uh, another thing also is um, what we found out, thanks to Tony, the Disney dad, who mm-hmm. sent me a text the other day. Did, did you know this? We didn't know this. Took a look, and we are, thanks to Feedspot.com, on their rank of top 100 Disney podcasts, we are now up to number 13. Woohoo! I know. It's Of exciting. all Disney podcasts. Yeah. That's lucky number 13. How fun is that? All right. And we really appreciate all of our listeners and supporters for making that happen, because um, you all are incredible, and you're love for us feeds us to want to do this more and more. Yeah, uh, that was pretty exciting. I was not expecting, we've been on that list before and um, you know, it's been nice. It's always nice to be recognized no matter where you are. Um, But that's the first time we've been that high and that was um, that was kind of cool. Yeah. That was kind of yeah. cool. I will say it was sure. very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go on to this week's show. We have lots of stuff for you this week, including details you need to know if you're planning on attending one of the special nights at Disneyland that focus on everything from a galaxy far, far away. Mm-hmm. Your chance to ride with Princess Tiana is coming sooner than expected to Florida. We'll tell you about that. And we learned who will make up a highly anticipated Marvel team. Oh, and a favorite Disney animated film might be headed to Broadway. Maybe. We'll tell you what that's about (laughs) as well, but that's later. Let's go ahead and get to our very presidential main topic of the week. So as we mentioned earlier, this is President's Day weekend. Monday is President's Day officially. A day that celebrates all things presidents of the United States. And you know what? Disney parks do that a little bit as well. They celebrate every day a little bit of Disney presidential. Right. And, you know, I mean, that's one thing we know. We are the Disney podcast of positivity. We focus on positivity and politics. We don't get involved in politics. Right. Because a lot of times there is not much positivity coming out of (laughs) politics on wherever you stand. Right. It's not a lot of positivity. But we can all appreciate the history, the stories behind some of these commanders and chiefs from the past uh, and present uh, that are represented through the Disney parks. And we thought this would be a fun way to kind of look at that and see the history and see the fun facts. And because, you know, Michelle does the best research. <laughs> so we're going to hear all about it today. So Michelle, go ahead and take it away. All right. Well, thank you for that uh, very wonderful intro, honey. And hopefully this won't come across as a history lesson, but maybe peeling away some of those details on what the Imagineers have done to create the magic you know, that, that really touches our emotions when we go see some of these attractions, uh, you know, sometimes even producing some watery eyes, you got to admit. Um, and as always, 
got to throw in some fun facts and uh, some secret things maybe to look for next time you explore some Ooh, of these. secret, secret. I love a secret. <laughs> so uh, anyways, I thought what one of the ways that would be kind of fun to start this, this episode off was kind of looking at some of the relationships that Walt Disney had with some actual presidents. And I came up with my top five favorites. Here. Oh, okay. Five, uh, actual five or yeah. high period adventures? Podcast yeah, now five. this is actual five and there, there could have been more, but I thought, all right, for time's sake, let's, let's keep it with the actual five. So we'll start with um, Franklin D. Roosevelt. And uh, according to the, the archives, the Disney archives, one of Walt's earliest presidential associations with FDR actually came in January of 1934. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, right? That was a long time ago. <laughs> Way before when the parks opened, uh, about 20 years, 21 years before. Anyways, um, there was a letter to Walt uh, from First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt, where she told him that their entire family enjoyed the antics of Mickey Mouse, <laughs> and she calls the president one of Mickey's devotees. Uh, so Walt would later appear on a May 1939 radio broadcast with FDR, uh, celebrating the opening of the Met Museum of Art in New York City, and the First Lady herself visited the Walt Disney Studios in April of 1941. 41, so that would have been, was that the Hyperion Studios, or had they uh, opened the Burbank ones yet, or do you know? I mean, I, I'm not I, I sure. struck you out of it. Yeah, the yeah, I'm not sure, because I know that... Um, they opened the studios after Snow White. Yeah. Let me, I'll take, while you're going on, okay, I'll, you I'll take a check. little Google yeah. uh, peek here and All see right. if I can figure that out. Uh, the next president that, uh, fun fact here, was Dwight D. Eisenhower. And in 1963, uh, President Eisenhower presented Walt with the George Washington Honor Medal of Freedoms mm. Foundation at Valley Forge, honoring patriotism and good citizenship. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's quite an honor. Yeah. Uh, Lyndon B. Johnson presented Walt Disney with the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1964. Uh, the award program said of Walt, artist and impresario in the course of entertaining an age, an age he created an American folklore. Mm, yeah. Now, here's a fun one. Richard Nixon. Uh, at the time, Vice President Richard Nixon visited Disneyland for the celebration where they introduced or dedicated the monorail system there. Now, as part of the ceremony uh, in the dedication, Nixon was supposed to be using these giant ceremony scissors to cut the ribbon. Um, and a lot of you may have seen some of this footage. It's, it's pretty uh, much out there where he's trying and he can't get it to cut the ribbon and Walt has to just tear it. Um, and funny thing is that was not the only time that there was ceremonial scissors that, with Walt Disney that things weren't working well. Um, so that wasn't the first time. But what was really funny and that most people probably don't know about this one is that so with all the hullabaloo that was going on with this Nixon and his family got on the monorail Walt gave the okay to go to let it do the lap um, but the secret service agents didn't make it on <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I know so oops <laughs> scary I know I know everything obviously went okay but that was kind of a, a little funny <laughs> thing that happened and the other little more to this is that Nixon's daughters loved it so much they said let's go one more time and Walt said okay because I guess he wasn't aware of it the, the secret servicemen were trying to still get back on get on not back get no, on wait, it wait, and wait. they didn't make it so two loops without the secret service we've all agents. run up there when the monorails <laughs> just pulled away and we just missed it <laughs> It's true of the Secret Service as well. That's right. So that the presidential kids, the first family, definitely get to uh, call the shots there, right? Yes, for yeah. sure. Um, by the way, going back, I did do yes. a Google search. Um, it, so Eleanor Roosevelt would have been at the Burbank Studios because those opened in 19, I think it was February 1940. Oh, okay. So cool, she cool. would have visited the Burbank Studios. The, not, the ones that's the there Hyperion now. Studios. Right. Yes, the current studios. Cool. Uh, and the last one of the top five here is Ronald Reagan. And, uh, you know, a lot of you know that in 1955, he was an actor that actually co-hosted the live coverage of the opening day at Disneyland. Um, after that, Reagan was voted in, you know, after he was um, 
voted into the White House for a second term, uh, Washington, D.C. was actually considered too cold for the traditional outdoor inaugural festivities. So in May of 1985, the Presidential Inaugural Bands Parade came to Epcot. Mm. And it was the first for the Walt Disney Resort and one of the few times the inaugural celebration was held outside of the Capitol. Interesting. I had no idea that that I happened. Know, right? That's pretty cool. There's, there's my, there's already my, <laughs> wow, I had no idea I learned something new from Michelle. I think I've learned a couple things already, but that's a big one right there. Well, thank you. All right. So as we said, we're going to talk about attractions in the parks related to the presidents. Um, and as Sam Eagle would say, a tribute to all presidents, but mostly Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Yeah, right. So we're going to talk about, obviously, great moments with uh, Mr. Lincoln. But wanted to give a little bit of background story. Originally, Walt had the idea of an attraction that would eventually become the Hall of Presidents at Walt Disney World. What he wanted it to be was a multi-sensory experience for the audience so that they could feel immersed and connected. Um, And so they were using techniques like screens that spanned more than 180 degrees, you know, as well as surround sound. He thought, okay, if if it goes beyond the peripheral vision, people are immersed into it. They're not seeing themselves necessarily just in a studio. And another fun fact is he wanted to incorporate smell-o-vision in it when there were the uh, battle scenes where gunfires and cannons were exploding. He wanted scents of, that were associated with gunpowder to be shared. That was his, you know, in his vision. Um, then he, he also felt that the show should be concluded after this film with what we know as the Hall of Presidents, which would be audio animatronics of the presidents. Um, now he knew that this was going to be quite an undertaking and, um, for investors and timing, you know, he thought, all right, let's start with one. And he started with Lincoln. Um, now as luck would have it, the world's fair was in the midst of being prepared. And so Walt was able to use that opportunity to create the attraction that eventually became known as Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. Now, we've talked about this attraction a lot more in depth in a prior episode where one we, that was devoted to the World's Fair, it was episode 102, actually. Uh, so I don't want to repeat a lot of that. Uh, we really do encourage, if you haven't heard that one, to go back and listen to it. It's got a lot of great sound clips, actual sound clips um, from how that attraction, as well as the other ones that were being created for the World's Fair took place. Um, but anyways, you know, did want to give a little bit more backstory that I don't know that we necessarily shared in that episode. Um, one of the things is that Abraham Lincoln was one of Walt Disney's heroes. And in fact, um, his love of this president came through when for a school project, he actually made his own stovepipe hat and recited the Gettysburg Address in front of his class. Um, that performance was considered so good that they actually had Walt recreate that act to other classes in the school. So um, what a showman. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, so it's, it's obviously no wonder why Walt you know, narrowed his plans for audio animatronics down to Abraham Lincoln. Um, Now, the Imagineers, to craft this audio animatronics, not only used photographs of Lincoln, but they were actually able to use the life mask that was made of Lincoln's face by sculptor Leonard Volk. So some actual real history of the real man was used. Talk about authenticity. Right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 now, as I mentioned, Walt's original plan was to have a full presidential uh, review at Disneyland, um, but it was in 1962 that Robert Moss, who was the head of the New York World's Fair, uh, was doing a studio tour with Walt, and Walt Disney said to him, do you want to meet Abraham Lincoln? And, you know, the guy was like, what? <laughs> you know, looking so confused. So, uh Walt says in an interview, he said, come on in and meet him. So we walked to it in the door and I said, Mr. Lincoln, meet Mr. Jones. 
and then Lincoln stood up and put his hand out and Moses went over and shook his hands. So this impressed Robert Moses, Moses so much so that he said, I've got to have Lincoln at the fair. And um, of course, again, they were in very early stages of this. They were planning something much bigger for like five years later. And uh, Moses said, no, it's got to happen. He convinced the state of Illinois to sponsor the attraction. So the Imagineers had to scramble within two years and create it. Um, But it still was super beneficial for, for Walt Disney and the company, even though they had to kind of morph the original plans down to uh, great moments with Mr. Lincoln, it still was the most popular, one of the most popular ones at the fair. And it was one of the only Disney attractions to appear simultaneously on both coasts. Mm, wow. That's pretty cool. I mean, you know, I, why wouldn't it be amazing? Because you know, we, we, for years now, we've been, you know, we know audio animatronics. We see right. them all the time. They're becoming more advanced all the time, and we're amazed by those. But at that point, there really hadn't been much in that regard. This is a new, yeah, new. it was all new. I mean, the, you know, the, the tiki birds existed, but that's right. completely different to actually see a, basically a person, a right. full sized Abraham Lincoln, stand up and give an address in front of you. Right. That, that's got to be pretty incredible to think about that that's this is like unlike anything you've ever seen and you know is that an actor up there right. is that re- i mean uh, you know obviously you know rudimentary to what we think of now but at that time it had to be super amazing yeah for sure i mean one of the things that's really great with the walt disney company too is that um they they don't leave their attraction stagnant even though they are very popular they do take uh, looks look back at some of them, you know, with some real critical eyes and say, how can we, you know, as Walt would have said, how can we plus this or whatever? How can we make it better? How can we keep it fresh? You know, in, in something where you are sharing history, it makes sense to have that review from time to time and updating it. Um, so over, over the years, they have updated it. Sometimes it was updating the um, technology of the audio animatronics because that has, has improved significantly from back in the 60s. Um, in 2001, they, they changed, uh, Lincoln's speech to be the Gettysburg address. Um, but you know, again, it's still super popular. Uh, some fun facts with this one is that it closed on new year's day in 1973, but because of popular demand returned back two years later. Now we've seen that with Disney, especially at Disneyland, if they try to take something very authentic Disney away, people clamor for it. Um, it's okay to update things, but you know, let's let's keep that nostalgia there. And I'm glad that they they have done that. Yeah, I mean, even though if you go there, the, the theater is pretty wide open, and occasionally see a few people right. in there. It's not exactly well attended, and it's easy to skim by going right. down Main Street, USA, but. It is part of history. I mean, it's 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 a classic attraction. Yes. It's 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 one of Walt was all behind from right. the beginning, and I think yes. it's, it's important for it to stick around. Right? You know, I mean, even could that space be used for something different, something theoretically more modern and better, right. possibly? But I like that it's still there. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think they also keep the interest. Uh, they closed it down for the 50th anniversary of Disneyland for, for a while, you know, and used that space for some of the festivities associated with their 50th anniversary. Um, but they brought it back. So, um, you know, and, and the other thing that's uh, available there in the in the lobby part of it is a lot of history of Disney, you know, like a, and, the, and that they also change through what some of the things that they bring in from the archives, et cetera. So it's a great space to also get immersed in some Disney his Disneyland history as well. And more recently you can see once upon a studio. Yes. In there. <laughs> Cause we had to mention that exactly. because it's been a couple episodes. <laughs> I know. I know. Now I have this really obscure fun fact related to Lincoln and the Walt Disney company that I don't think hardly you'll, I, it's not easy to find this. Um, mm. So in 1960, there was a Disney film that was produced. You can actually see it on Disney Plus. It was called Pollyanna. Now in the film, the lead character uh, performed by Haley Mills, she reads a quote that was engraved on her necklace. And she said, when you look for the bad in mankind, expecting to find it, you surely will. 
Abraham Lincoln. Hmm. And I remember hearing that quote in, in that film. Now, to publicize the release of the film, Walt Disney Productions created and released thousands of replicas of this locket with that quote attributed to Abraham Lincoln. Well, the film's writer and director was on vacation shortly after the film's release, and he saw this necklace at a gift shop. And he called the studios immediately, and he said, Lincoln didn't say that. Oh, no. <laughs> he just wrote it into the film. <laughs> oh, no. Whoopsie. I know. Talk about a whoopsie. Um, so the company immediately did a recall. Uh, they said they were able to recall all but about 800 of them. Fast forward to 2010. D23 has a special 50th anniversary screening of Pollyanna at the Walt Disney Studios. We loved going to those screenings. Yeah, not that one, but yes, right. others, yes. I know. I remember, I, I think I heard about this one afterwards and thought, oh, darn, I would have loved that because I, I enjoy Pollyanna film. Anyways, during the Q&A portion, uh, the director of archives, Rebecca Klein, shared a story about the locket being released as part of the, um, the promotion and that it really, you know, was so rare because it was recalled immediately that even the studios didn't have one. But lo and behold, in the audience, someone says, I have one. <laughs> so <laughs> after the program ended, um, the, the director went to that member and asked if she could at least send a photo of the locket so it could be included in the archives. Um, and, and what happened was several weeks later, a letter arrives at the archives from this person, her name is Kathy. She said, my father took me to see Pollyanna when, I, when it first opened and bought me the locket. It was one of the few things I have left that he gave me and as one of my most sentimental treasures. The locket couldn't have a safer home than the archives. It's a very small way, perhaps, I can give back a little of the joy that Disney has given me. Aww. I know, right? So a uh, short time after that, uh, she, the person came to D23, uh, to the archives. Uh, it was actually during their 40th anniversary event, and she donated the locket to the archives. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. So I hope she got a little extra pixie <laughs> dust out of that. That, sure. that is a very sweet story. I'm yeah, sure, sure. But uh, pretty obscure. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. It's so funny because, you know, how often is Walt, um, you know, there's like famous sayings that people uh, say Walt right. said and they're not really said or they're, they're changed or slightly from right. what he actually said or whatever. So it's funny that that ended up in a movie. Yeah. And, yeah. And <laughs> publicity. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, release and everything. Right. You know? Well, it's funny because I remember at one time Googling that quote and couldn't find it from <laughs> Abraham Lincoln and thinking, cause I wanted to kind of see where, what was the circumstance that he gave that to, you know, that quote that he said that, but so Apparently now we know he didn't, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it was just the writer of the film, but all right. But I like the sentiment, right? Whether he said it or I not, I, I believe it's true. I know it is true. So, all right. So, Let's move on now to the actual Hall of Presidents, which was ultimately what Walt was striving to achieve. In fact, he wanted to have a Liberty Street that would run parallel to Main Street USA and have like colonial looking shops and this attraction. I believe it's it's, it's either in the Imagineering story or is it behind the attractions that uh, they talk about um, Disneyland and them wanting basically Liberty Square to right. be there yeah. essentially. Yeah. Right, right. So... All right. So um, when it came to the time to create the Hall of Presidents for um, the Magic Kingdom on the East Coast at Walt Disney World, uh, fortunate for the Imagineers, a lot of that pre-planning work had been completed in the early 60s. And so, um, you know, they wanted to make sure they were going to follow Walt's vision. Um, and so they wanted to, again, create that immersive connection with the audience. So they brought in a three-time Academy Award-winning art director-producer, who was also a set designer, which was George, John DeCure. I hope I said that right. Um, and so you might ask, well, what did he win Oscars for? Um, well, The King and I, Cleopatra, and Hello, Dolly. So pretty big name films. Pretty big name films, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so um, what this collaboration with, with him and the Imagineers were, they created 85 masterpiece painting depicting um, the United States history. Now, some of these paintings were 40 feet long. I mean, because remember, they're trying to fill this very large screen. Now, what some people may not know is Disney legend of iWorks was brought in, um, and he was responsible for developing a new system to capture these paintings onto 70 millimeter film. Mm. And sadly, uh, this was actually the last project he worked with the Disney company before he passed away. Mm. So some nice history from the Disney perspective, as well as the U.S. history there. Um, so again, the film really was pl was to place guests right in the middle of the action. Um, and, and what Walt is quoted as saying, and hopefully it was accurate, <laughs> um, if there's one thing I've learned about what people like is that they enjoy being more than just a spectator or bystander. They like to participate. So again, that that concept is what they continue to strive for and utilize as they were designing it. Now for the presidents themselves, the Imagineers, you know, really had to look at so many concepts now that they're going beyond just one. So they had to look at, um, you know, the height and weight so that they could figure out how to position them on stage as well. And so here's a fun fact for this. James Madison was the smallest president at five foot four and only 100 pounds. So to prevent him from being so overshadowed by the rest of them, they have him seated. Mm. You know something about that. I do. I do. If you understand, you can relate to James Madison there. Exactly. Exactly. Now, throughout all of our times that we're doing episodes and we do our top five, it's our top five. But I actually ran across some of the favorite fives of um, Disney legend and master audio animatronic sculptor Blaine Gibson. Hmm. And this comes from the Disney archives. So these are some of his fun facts related to the Hall of Presidents. He said he found Lyndon Johnson to be the easiest president to sculpt. However, he was not really ever satisfied with how Nixon's bus turned out hmm. or how Nixon tur turned out. Um, he studied Jimmy Carter so well during the presidential debates that he didn't feel there was a need to make, make the sketches that he usually does before sculpting. He said um, he was already had a strong mental image of Carter and that he developed a particular interest in the strength of Carter's eyes. Hmm. Uh, regarding Ronald Reagan, Blame observed, there are certain tendencies for him to erupt into a smile spontaneously. So he studied Reagan's inner sense of humor, as he said, to help him successfully capture that Irish twinkle that mm. Reagan had, as he, as he dubbed it. Now, lastly, but the one that I found of particular cute interest was that for the president's attires, you know, obviously they had tailors who meticulously created period pieces of, you know, from fabric that was in style during that president's time frame. Well, when First Lady Rosalind Carter came to see the Hall of Presidents, she remarked on her, what was on her husband. She said, oh, my goodness, who gave you that terrible suit? So she <laughs> donated one. <laughs> ah, that's funny. I know. That's very funny. There's a fun fact. Right Actually, Blaine Johnson, I mean, Blaine Gibson, but yeah. Still. Yeah. You, you dug it up. I dug it up. <laughs> um, now, in 1993, as I mentioned before, you know, the Imagineers from time to time will take a look at some of their attractions and seeing, you know, how can they improve it or how can they keep it fresh? So in 1993, they wanted to look at the, what was going on in this, this show. It was already 22 years old. Uh, it was Michael Eisner, who was the CEO at the time, who came up with the idea to make a change that has been a tradition ever since. He believed, quote, what people want to see are the presidents. Let's do something that features, at the time Clinton was just coming into office, that will draw guests in. So for the first time in the show's history, the current president would have a speaking role. Hmm. Now, other updates on the show included, you know, some, again, adding newer events because it's a, you know, history story being told um, and greater emphasis on 
on some issues like the issues of slavery. Um, and they also wanted to emphasize the relationship between the nation's presidents and the American people. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. Uh, it, they also gave George Washington a speaking role, um, which then was followed by America the Beautiful. Interestingly, according to the archives, those were some of the original concepts that Walt had, you know, with Washington having a speaking role in America the Beautiful um, back in the 50s. So well, that's cool. That's some good stuff, right? There. Yeah. Now, if you think about it, when they were trying to create the Hall of Presidents, not only did they have the daunting task of now they have to create so many more than just Lincoln, but now they were having to create ones that people knew, people were seeing on TV, you know, people had their own mental image of. And so that made those those issues and details much more difficult to do because they wanted to make sure, you know, people didn't have references like from a history book or, you know, an obscure black and white photo from so long ago. People were actually seeing these people in live action. So that did create another level of challenge for the uh, audio animatronic programmers. So they had to really be mindful of that and, and started to realize they had to pay a lot of attention to now movements of people as well. Um, and they, an example they gave is that um, when uh, the Clinton speech, while they were actually recording him making the, the soundtrack for the audio animatronics, uh, they noted his closed fin thumbs up gesture and made sure to incorporate that into the show. Um, another example of details is George W. Bush. Um, they included his uh, Timex Indigo, Indiglo watch on it. And, and, you know, this is just examples of those um, unnoticed details to, you know, create that authenticity and to, you know, like we've talked about in the past, those subconscious cues that as people we get, and it makes that story so much more believable to us. Yeah. I mean, you look at them, you're like, oh, it may be something simple that you don't even really notice, but for some reason, it's something that calls out to you and like, oh yeah, that is, right. that is George W. Bush. Or right. That, that is, um, Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, whatever it might be. Yeah. There are tons of things if you ever go and want to pay attention to, you know, like pin, lapel pins that they use and things were all very much authentic uh, to those periods when those presidents were. That's very cool. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of our look back and some things to consider next time you see the Hall of Presidents. And thought we'd go one more attraction that does have some presidents and it. it's not totally focused on the presidents, but that's over at Epcot's American Pavilion is the American Adventure. Now, as you know, that it tells the story of the U.S. using a cast of a ton of audio animatronics um, of American history, as I mentioned, not just presidents. Um, interestingly, back in the 80s on the Disney Channel, there was a behind-the-scenes show about the uh, American adventure, and we thought you might want to hear some sound bits for that because I thought there were some things that were kind of cute. So going back to that behind-the-scenes film we thought you might want to hear a small segment that describes an actual unique approach of how they came to designing this attraction. Uh, it wasn't like what they typically do with their storytelling. So we're going to hear Randy Bright, who was the show producer for Walt Disney Imagineering, describe this in his own words. As we carefully weeded out where we went down the wrong path, we said, should not be a ride through because you really can't tell important information in a linear fashion that makes sense of what the ride through. So basically, we began to develop a show that for the most part began not with a concept, but with an idea. And we said before we even got down to the content, how do we keep this theater alive and moving and full of theatrical surprises for the public? So each thing that occurs tops the last thing that occurs in terms of a method of presentation. Once we got that magic theater down on how we move figures around and have film and mid-ground dimensional sets and background rear projected scenes all working in unison, now we'll deal with what the story is. So in this case, unlike many pavilions, we decided to create the magic theater to begin with. And then we sat back and said, okay, out of this magic theater now, we'll begin to fashion the story of the fourth century American experience. And that was the beginning. 
So as you can see, that was pretty unique. They they came up with the the storytelling after they decided how could this theater work and be one that was creative and, you know, I guess awesome for people to see. So I thought that was cute. And if you ever get to see this, um, it is on YouTube, but, um, you know, the, as they he was describing us, they were showing like how they were creating the stage to have the things, the audio uh, animatronic pieces rise up, et cetera. It is such an impressive stage setup and how that whole show goes off and the, you know, the right. different various different audio animatronics that appear at different locations and uh, along with, film and lighting and right. everything else. It's it's really impressive. It is impressive. Yeah. It really is impressive. Now, um, you know, as I mentioned, they had all these audio animatronics in the storytelling and now exploring more things that the audio animatronics can do than what they had in Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln and Hall of Presidents. Uh, for example, Ben Franklin actually climbs stairs for the first time for an audio animatronic figure. So uh, I want to play for you one more piece. Uh, Dave Fayton, and I don't know if I pronounced that right. He was an animator for Walt Disney Imagineering um, who was hugely involved with the programming of these audio animatronics for the attraction. Uh, he shared that the programming of Ben Franklin climbing the stairs with a cane uh, took over a month to accomplish and actually broke several uh, canes along the way because of how trial and error with the audio animatronic timing. Um, so here's what he said about his experience in programming Thomas Jefferson. I see how I tied it in with the president there. Also his cohort, uh, Thomas Jefferson, uh, is an extremely complicated figure. He now sits at a desk and uh, one day I made a little mistake with him, in fact, where he actually put his hand underneath the table and by the mistake, he actually picked up his table and threw it across the room and demolished it. <laughs> We're always, always worried about some of those animatronics going to rise up against us. I know. Hey, back up. Right. Thomas Jefferson gets a little angry. <laughs> it's good. A lot of struggles writing that Declaration <laughs> of Independence, you know, there. Um, but, you know, and, and I shared this, you know, one, because it is a behind the scenes that I thought w was kind of cute, but also to bring you to the awareness when you're watching the show to understand then how critical timing was. And again, even though they had evolved in their audio animatronics technology, this was still back in the like late 70s, early 80s that they were producing this. So it was still pretty new territory on how to program things. It was probably a lot of more trial and error because they were using more computer techniques versus somebody sitting in a harness and moving and capturing those moves. So, um, but if you think about it, there's a part where the two hosts shake hands. So to have that timing work out so succinctly is pretty impressive. It though. is very much so. Yeah. So, uh, as we mentioned with the shows, they do periodically update them. Um, and in 2018, uh, this show went through some significant, uh, modifications again, to keep that ongoing story of America fresh. Uh, and, and, and again, they also wanted to look at how could they improve the experience for the guests. So they converted the film to digital. They added more speakers, uh, updated that final sequence with some additional icons, American icons, and they decided to re-record with all new orchestration, the original theme song, Golden Dreams. And they did this in collaboration with uh, pop rock music producer, Harvey Mason Jr. So let's again, take a listen to the behind the scenes uh, with Disney Imagineering describing this process of this song's update. My approach was to be respectful of the original. And then I also tried to make it contemporary and somewhat relevant to what's going on in music today. After going on a journey of excitement, some down moments, some sadness, some introspection, I wanted people to leave on a high note of, man, this is great, I love America. To hear the new version go down was amazing. It's a beautiful performance by the orchestra. Many moments in the film, it swells to this incredible, like almost stand-up, you know, beautiful emotion that only a rich chorus can bring. So we brought in some of the best choristers here in Los Angeles.
get a lot of songs with this kind of scale and this kind of gravitas. So it's been a fascinating journey to get inside this song and listen to it and think about the songwriters and the musicians who performed on the original and realize we have to pay honor to them as well as creating our own unique version. I think people who know and love this show will love the fact that it's been refreshed and that the adventure continues. It's a very emotional show, a very patriotic show, a show that really reflects every person. It's about our adventure, our story, and it's a story that continues, it keeps growing. thought that was kind of cool it just when you hear that song especially in the newer rendition it it is just really heartwarming it it brings pride and and joy uh for what our history has been and just amazing not just what's been but also going forward right you know that's what's impressive uh to me about that song and uh it's also played you you do get that as well at great moments with mr mm -hmm. lincoln um it's it's an amazing addition to whichever show you're seeing right exactly Exactly. So uh, before we end, I, I just wanted to point out one more thing uh, in this attraction to look for uh, as you're walking through the halls to get into this to the theater, there are flags, and I'm sure people have noticed that. But you might want to watch for one in particular, it has 15 stars and 15 stripes. And it is the replica of the one that hmm, getting choked up. Francis Scott Key saw when he wrote the Star Spangled Banner. Aww. So Cute. I thought that's kind of neat that, that they have amazing. there. I didn't know that. And again, another <laughs> thing I learned today from Michelle. And like I said, you know, one, you know, in conclusion, I really don't want this to be a history lesson, but maybe some things, some either, whether it's behind the scenes of how they created things, uh, what they experienced as, as Imagineers were creating this, um, and just some things to look for so you can appreciate these attractions more, especially these, they, they, these, they've been a long, around for a long time. Uh, they don't always get, a, as you've mentioned, honey, that they don't always get huge crowds coming to see. It's um, not a virtual queue for a great moments of Mr. Lincoln. <laughs> no, no. You know, and, and I'm not saying it, it's obviously not among their longstanding ones that people want to go see over and over and over again. But from time to time to go back and experience and appreciate, you know, one, the history that as a, as a, as a country that we have, but as a company that the Disney company has and, and how do they, they mesh those together to try to, you know, touch our lives and touch our emotions. And even though they've been around for, you know, what, more than a half decade or, you know, there's still things that are relevant. Half century. Right, half century. Yes, thank you. Um, that are that are around and you know reminding us of how incredible our country is. Yes, uh, very good. Michelle's research is always the best <laughs> research. I always learn so many new things. You know, I think I know these attractions, and then Michelle always shines a light on something that I just you know didn't know. So great job, sweetheart. I oh, knew, well, thank you. It, once again, this was another one <laughs> where she, you know, I, I midway through the week, she's like, I don't know, it's gonna be like a history <laughs> lesson. It's not going to be. I don't know if anybody have any interest in this. That's when I know it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> and once again, it was. Oh, Good job, you're Michelle. Too, you're way too kind, but thank you. I hope our listeners found it interesting at least in some parts <laughs> i found it interesting all the way through i really appreciate all the hard work you did and it was fascinating well, thank that you is our look at disney's presidential showcases revealed Great job again, sweetheart, no, uh, delving you. into some of these historical attractions that, yeah, maybe some people, you know, they, they, they skim over, but right. are very, very important, not only to uh, Disney's history, but to U.S. history, of course. Exactly. Yeah. And just would encourage people, if you haven't been in a long time, just take a stop in. If nothing else, it's a, they're all, you know, a little bit longer, so you can get out of the elements, whether it be excessive heat or rain or cold and you know, just also get some some review of our your emotions. Uh, we just saw a preview of my tip right there from Michelle. <laughs> so now you know what my tip will be later. Maybe I'll just skim over it. But 
Yeah, great job. Great job. Thank you. Very, very good. As always, Michelle's research is always the best <laughs> research. Sure. Now, before we get to the Disney stories of the week, you know we need to talk about our great friend Nate with Main Street and more travel because let's face it, we all have trips we're thinking about taking in the very near future. Well, if you do, whether it be to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise, or anywhere in the world beyond, let me tell you, Nate is the certified Disney vacation planner that you are going to want to get in contact with. Oh my gosh, for sure. You know, as we, you know, mention all the time, he really has firsthand knowledge of things so he can really help you plan customize a, a trip that is going to be the best for you, answer your questions. It's really concierge level planning that doesn't cost you anything. High end. It is high end stuff that he will help you out with, answer all your questions. He is there for you to make sure your trip, wherever it may be, be the best it possibly can be. And as Michelle mentioned, no extra cost to you. That's because either Disney or whatever other travel branch that he works through pays him for you. Your, what you end up paying is exactly what you pay. If you did all that work yourself, only you can save that time and just relax and enjoy and let him set it all up for you. Right. And you know what? He may even be able to save you some money from you doing it alone because he is on top of all the deals and steals that are out there. Yeah. I mean, there's never a guarantee, but let me tell you, if there's a discount out there, Nate will find it for you. So what you got to do is go to distripsandmore.com, fill out the form there and just contact him, talk to him, tell him what you want to do and let him get to work for you. Right. So as Tom mentioned, once you fill out that form, Nate will be back in touch with you to start that planning, but be sure to tell him that Tom and Michelle sent you. Yeah. Again, that's Nate with Main Street and more travel. And of course, Nate worked with us very closely on our Disney Cruise is coming up in just in two weeks. He was sent us an email just the other day reminding us, hey, it's coming up. I know. So right? definitely yeah. check him out. Uh, get get some help on your next Disney vacation from him. Right. And, you know, it's just like I really appreciate the fact that he did check in on us and make sure that if we still had any, you know, last minute issues or questions that he was there for us. For sure. Always there. Uh, Nate's great. Concierge level help for your vacation. For sure. Let's go ahead and get to the Disney stories of the week. I do have a few for you this week. I'm going to start with details you'll need to know if you're planning on attending one of the special nights at Disneyland that focuses on everything from a galaxy far, far away. This from the Disney Parks blog. They said, with twice as many event nights this year, Disneyland After Dark Star Wars Night is back with galactic entertainment, novel theme snacks, and unique photo opportunities on eight separate nights at Disneyland Park. Of course, this separately uh, ticketed event will be held on April 16th, 18th, 23rd, 25th, 30th, and May 2nd, 7th, and 9th of 2024. So lots of dates yes. if you're thinking about going. And if you're thinking about going... Well, there's some pre-sale opportunities, especially if you're a magic key holder that you're going to want to know coming up just this week. So Inspire Magic Key Holders, that's the top tier key holder. Mm -hmm. You spent a lot of money. (laughs) You're going to have your chance first to get your pre-sale tickets to Star Wars Night on Tuesday, February 20th, 20th, February 20th. 2024. Easy for me to say. (laughs) Uh, That will begin no earlier than 9 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, So you'll be able to purchase those pre-sale tickets beginning at that time on Disneyland.com. Then on February 21st uh, and February 22nd, all the other Magic Key holders will have your opportunity if you want to purchase tickets Mm -hmm. to those events. And then finally on February 23rd, Uh, Tickets will go on sale for the general public. So those are the dates you'll need to know this week if you're looking to try and get involved in Star Wars Night. I think that a lot of those dates will sell out very, very quickly. Yeah, I'm sure this one's going to be super popular and, uh, well, like you said, will sell out. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, uh, if you're waiting online for your queue for Star Wars Night tickets... Uh, you may have the option to be digitally notified when it's your time to enter the ticket store. Not that any of us are doing this <laughs> while we're at work or anything, you know, so maybe you don't want to be there staring at the screen as you're like looking to see how many people are in front of you. So just in case you might have that happening or just because you just want to not have to be 
glued to your computer the whole time. Uh, this will, is an option for you that's coming up, and I think it's exciting. Uh, to participate, once in the queue, choose the Notify Me option and enter your email address. You'll receive an email letting you know when it's your turn to return to the waiting room in order uh, to uh, get in your tickets. You'll have 10 minutes uh, from the time that you receive that email to go to that link and get to your site wow. where you get there. So um, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Not that anybody... Or us was ever doing this while we're at work, but you know, just in case, it's kind of a good uh, possible way to still get your work done and maybe not get caught. Right, right, or even other things that you could be doing. Could but be. yes, yes, could be. yeah. But, but it is it is great that they're they're enhancing that uh, process for the virtual cues to have some notification, so you're not like you said, just staring yeah, at the screen. Because sometimes it could be oh quickly, and you're only there for five minutes, but a lot of times you're there for. An hour, yes, two hours. Right. You never know. We've been in those queues for a long time exactly. at times. So it's it's good for them to have this option for right. you. So you don't need to be like watching it for all sure. the time. Um, I like that. Although part of me would be like, I still want to watch it all the time <laughs> just to be sure <laughs> I get in there. I don't trust it. Don't I'm trust sure it. over time it'll continue to improve. Too, I have so. no doubt. I have no doubt. But that's good. Um, we've been to a Star Wars night at mm-hmm. Disney, Disneyland After Dark Star Wars night. It's so much fun. Highly recommend it if you're a Star Wars fan or even if you're not. If you're just a little fringe Star Wars it's just it's just a really fun event yeah I mean the you know what they're offering what they they have there in terms of you know experiences are great but just the energy at the parks on those nights are so amazing yeah for sure definitely check it out yeah we think you'll love it we think you'll love it Moving on, your chance to ride with Princess Tiana is coming sooner than expected to Florida. Yeah, we found out this week in a Walt Disney Company social media post. They had Charita Carter, Walt Disney's Imagineering's executive creative producer, gave us a look at one of the phenomenal Tiana audio animatronics. So good. So smooth. Yeah, talk about updating technology and audio animatronics. Uh, One of them, I suppose they say there are going to be many throughout this uh, attraction, but this was one of them that you'll find on Tiana's Bayou Adventure. And in that same TikTok video, it was announced that the attraction will be opening in summer of this year. Originally, we were hearing it'll be late 2024. Summer, I mean, now summer could be October, theoretically. (laughs) So, but that's exciting news. No word yet on Disneyland. We know that Disneyland's um, version of Splash Mountain, which was changing over, of course, to Tiana's Mm -hmm. Bayou Adventure, um, closed a little bit later. So they got a little bit slower start on it. Plus, I think maybe some of the crazy weather that Southern California has been getting may have slowed some things down as well. So we don't know when that one's opening up, but... Uh, still, it's exciting news that over here in Florida that Tiana's Bayou Adventure will be open at some point yeah. this summer. I'm hoping for a uh, you know some maybe DVC, some annual pass holders, yeah, soft opening cool previews. Yeah. I'm hoping for that. Um, we'll, no word on that yet, but that would be fun for us. Yeah, for sure. Because we both of those things, and yes. we want our chance to ride <laughs> on that because that looks amazing. It does. It does. I love the you know trailer that they release. It's just incredible yeah it is it looks incredible and i'm very excited to check it out sometime in the yeah not in nearer future than we expect right uh, again now we have another story we learned who will make up a highly anticipated marvel team mm-hmm. this week in a throwback valentine's day social media post marvel announced the lineup of actors that will make up the fantastic four yeah. yes we've known this is coming for a long time <coughs> Now we know what the cast will be. And it's been speculated for a while, but we finally have it. They are Pedro Pascal, Vanessa Kirby, Ivan Moss Bacharach, and Joseph Quinn. Pascal was, of course, previously reported to star as Reed Richards, also known as Mr. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Of course, you know him from many things, including he's the Mandalorian, Dan Dejarian. So they'd be excited to have him there. While the others have been heavily rumored for recent months, uh, Kirby, who played Princess Margaret in the first couple seasons of The Crown, will star as Sue Storm, also known as the Invisible the Invisible Woman. Uh, while Joseph Quinn, who played Eddie Munson in the fourth season of Stranger Things, will play her brother, Johnny Storm, the Human Torch. Mm-hmm. 
And Moss Backrack, who recently won an Emmy for his role as Cousin Richie in The Bear. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, great. he's great. Will star as Ben Grimm slash The Thing, which I think is great casting to me because <laughs> oh, for uh, sure. he's that. He's totally that. Yeah. I can totally see him being that. Um, I'm excited for this cast. I think it's it's. I I love how yes. they laid it out. I loved how they announced it in this like this throwback Valentine I thing. Know. It was so great. It's I loved so it. Cool. It was cute. Yeah. And it's exciting. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing Fantastic yeah. Four. Yeah, me too. Especially me with too. that cast. Yep. Uh, so I think that's coming out in July of 2025, as I believe that's when it's happening. They flip-flopped it with the Thunderbolts, which was uh, moved up to May of 2025. Mm. So that will be released. Thunderbolts is going to be released in May of 2025. And now Fantastic Four, I believe it's in, don't quote me on this. I think this is right, July of 2025. Cool. So. The exciting stuff, exciting Marvel news for 2025. Finally, talking about exciting news, is one of our favorite Disney animated features heading to Broadway? What? what? Well, <laughs> this from broadwayworld.com. Following a recent report from The Hollywood Reporter that a developmental workshop of Tangled is underway, Broadway World can confirm that Disney Theatrical Group is indeed exploring a stage version of the 2010 animated film. That's so exciting. Yes. Talk about a movie that is made to be on stage. Yes. We've seen the truncated version that is on board the Disney Magic, I, I think it's say. Magic, yeah. yeah. Um, that's on board the Disney Magic. We've seen that, and it's amazing. It is. I couldn't, I can't imagine what it's going to be like to do a full-fledged right. Broadway, Broadway show that means probably Alan Menken is working on some new songs right yes. now for it. If this is all true, um, that would be phenomenal. Oh, yeah. That would be so cool. That one, we might have to go to New York to see. Yes. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Uh, Jen Frank Dillos, <laughs> you ruling the hostess? <laughs> Uh, we would love to see that for yeah. sure. Now, whether the show will eventually land on Broadway remains to be seen as Disney theatrical often makes titles available strictly for professional licensing in schools and future plans for the adaptation have not yet been announced, but they confirm that they're working on something. something they're at least yeah. they're, 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 they're mulling it about. It they're workshopping it, as they say, <laughs> uh, trying to figure it out. And I think it would be a, a fantastic show. I also think Princess and the Frog. Should be on Broadway, by the yeah. way. I think The Princess and the Frog Definitely. would be a fantastic yes, addition sure. uh, to Broadway. I hope they work on that some point in the future right. as well. Exactly. So that's it for the Disney Stories of the Week. However, we never leave you without giving you some sort of tip that might help you on your next vacation. When we do this, we always start with Michelle because, look, she's wonderful. <laughs> she's phenomenal. She's fantastic. You just heard it. She does the best research. She always has the best lists. One thing's for certain, she just definitely has the very best tip. So let's get to it. Here's Michelle's tip of the week. All right. So my tip's going to be very brief, but hopefully it'll help you out. Uh, no matter what time you eat at California Grill or Top of the World Lounge, the Villain's Lair, uh, you can return later in the evening to watch the fireworks from their outdoor viewing area. You just need to bring your receipt along with you and show that you've been there. So you don't have to be there right at the time that the fireworks are about to start. If you've gone earlier in the evening, you can return. Or if you've gone for brunch, even that morning, if you've gone for brunch, you can come back. Yeah. You show your receipt. Right. Uh, you can come back. And this is talk about California Grill, obviously. Right. Yeah. Uh, top of the world lounge, they don't have brunch. Yes. <laughs> but uh, California Grill, if you go to brunch, you can come back with that receipt and go up and see fireworks later in the day. Exactly. I mean, what a way to close out the day. Yeah. Way up high up, up our, uh, atop the contemporary yes. or Bay Lake Towers, checking out the Magic Kingdom fireworks. Exactly. So cool. Very good. Michelle's tip. Always the best tip. <laughs> so good. She already gave away my tip <laughs> earlier. Because my tip was, yes, you should experience some of these historic Disney attractions that deal with U.S. history, especially things like Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, the Hall of Presidents, the American Adventure. They are phenomenal shows. They've done some interesting stuff with them. And, you know, I mean, it, it's these are things that Walt always wanted to right. be around. Uh, so, I mean, why wouldn't you want to go see these shows? Plus, you except for the show runtime, you never really have to wait for them. There's not really like a long lineup True. for them. And as Michelle already said, because Michelle has the best tips, <laughs> it's a great way to get out of the heat or weather for 15, 20 minutes. 30, grab a 30, seat, sometimes yeah. 30. Grab a seat, relax. Sometimes yes. catch a little nap. <laughs> 
Um, they, they are wonderful, wonderful shows. And you really, especially if you haven't seen them in a long time, you should go check them out. Exactly. That's it for this week's show. Next week, well, we're back with another music-filled episode. And this time, we'll be talking all about those songs that add that something extra to some of our favorite ride experiences. Yep, we'll be doing our favorite Disney attraction songs. Yeah. I can't believe we haven't done this one yet. How have we not done that one yet? I don't know. It's amazing. I, I swore we did, but I guess we haven't. So we definitely need to go and do it if we have not done it yet. Yeah, I think we've talked about our favorite attractions in different ways, like attractions that are no longer here and things like that. But I don't. I thought we had, but uh, even if we have, it's always good to update and do a new one because, you know, our lists are always changing. Usually five minutes after we turn the mics off, our lists have (laughs) changed. That's true. So it's worth it going at it either for the first time or again, either way next week. And I'm looking very much forward to that. Yeah, we we did our attraction themes from the past so rides that ah so these are so not ones that are current that's where i'm confused on yes we've done ones from attractions that don't exist anymore right yeah i think it was one of our Uh, memorial day ones very good okay so that's where i was lost on it as i usually am and michelle's always here (laughs) to straighten me out But anyways, I think that's correct. I think that's the only one. I mean, we did the Sherman Brothers songs, but and that had some attraction songs. But yeah, yeah this and is some not things like on... from the World's Fair and some right. other things. Yeah. But yeah, no, that'll be good. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. That'll be a lot of fun. As for today's show, we appreciate that you joined us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. Also, we're on social media. We're on Twitter. X at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventures Facebook group. Also, we're on YouTube. If you want to find us there, we're at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. And if you like this podcast, we really would appreciate a five-star rating and review would be awesome. Yep, and if you give us a five-star review, we will read it on the show and give you full credit. And thanks to everybody who has already given us a five-star yeah. review. Yeah. Thank you so much. Or rating or whatever you had time for. Or just told a friend. We appreciate you That's very true. much. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. We look forward to sharing some time with you again next week. Until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week.